Welcome, 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 welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, the longest podcast, uh, longest football running. I'm going to start again. <laughs> welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 116. It is the longest running football pod in Australia, and we're back. Um, Named after the fact, of course, that you need to stay up all night to watch football in Australia, don't you? And that makes us all very tired and weary, but it's all coming to an end. Everything's pretty much done. Tommy's here to join me. How you going, man? Sammy, great. Fantastic. That's how you say words, and that's a sentence. Yeah. Had about 15 goes in an intro there, but um, we'll see how much gets edited out. Cooper's with us as well, although I feel like muting him because he's been a prick already. Now, 115 intros, he hasn't got it under wraps yet, and it's somehow my fault. Somehow his fault. He's sitting here wearing a port shirt on our football pod. That just I just can't have that, ladies and gentlemen. I just cannot have that. Um, let's go. We've got a bit to get through tonight because it's all wrapping up. Uh we've got we're gonna do our five aside teams that we we put it up, uh we put it out to the Facebook audience to pick some of theirs and let us know who they think. We're gonna pick ours a bit later on. First, let's get a few things out of the way. There was an FA Cup final on the weekend on Saturday night, and it wasn't a scrappy, disappointing one. I thought it was a decent game. I don't know what you guys thought of it. Let's go. Uh, who wants to start? I'll, I'll take it. I thought it was a good game. I was impressed. Yeah. Yeah, I was entertained. Um, you don't often get them, do you? Because FA Cups, like historically, they're just bore fests. Mm. And unless there's some, you know, wild upset like Wigan um, doing City in, even then, it's a shitty game, but at least you get the kind of result that you're looking for. Um, no, this this thoroughly entertaining, even if it was kind of one-sided still throughout. Yeah. yeah. Coop? Yeah, um, I agree. It was an entertaining game of football. I didn't really expect it to be. I don't know if it's the Manchester derby aspect to it or, or a little bit of added that United had a bit of incentive to try and stop a potential treble for... For City, but there was something a little bit fiery and entertaining about this one. It was a nice, nice change. Yeah, it looked like um, you know, even though City were on top or whatever, United still had they they were showing just enough on the counter at times that could trouble City. We've often talked about if you can hold the ball long enough to get through their, you know, their seven second kind of press or whatever it is, um, that you can create openings. And they did create a few towards the end with Rashford having a chance. Anthony came off and had a chance, but he's a bit meh, so mm. it was no good. But all? how's the timing this week? We've been absolutely sucking off Gundogan on this pod the last few weeks, and he just turns up 16 seconds in and bangs one top bins. Ridiculous. Uh, I put my hands over my mouth when I went in because I was with a few United fans. I'm just, I'm surrounded by them. And I was, you know, deep down, I knew that they weren't going to win this, but to get that kind of joy initially straight away, not like a couple of them won't have been in their seats yet. And they're kind of like, yeah. what, what the fuck just happened? Uh, I'll tell you what happened. Lindelof is shocking in the air. Ericsson doesn't want to track after 12 seconds for whatever reason. Mm. And you've got Gundogan in like, is it the form of his career? Or are we just looking at a guy that is consistently uh, world-class? Because he, he comes up clutch at the end of every season and delivers trophies for this team. Yeah, um, I think he's world class. I think he's one of the best, probably one of the best midfielders in the world, consistency wise over the last five years. Um, I think he just flies under the radar a bit because he's probably never been the best midfielder or the best player in his team at probably any point of his career, and he just goes un- unnoticed a little bit at times. Um, I can't understand how anyone can still con- consider Christian Eriksen good enough to be in this Manchester United team. 
I'm honestly not even sure if he's good enough to be in the Premier League anymore at times. Um, wow, obviously, I'm sure there's cool. sure there's a lot of teams lower down the table that would would take him on, but I'm not necessarily sure he goes to a team like, say, a Leeds and keeps him up. Jeez, cool. I, I reckon he would have kept Leeds up if if you played him uh, behind the striker. I think in that sunken role for Man United, he struggles a little bit. Yeah, I don't think he's horrible though. I I think he still holds his own definitely, and. I'd say maybe a good 12 to 14, maybe 15 teams in this league would want him in their side. Um, do, do you rate him in, in like a midfield two next to Bruno though? Because Bruno would take on the position he would typically excel more in, you would think? He's probably not as consistent there. I've seen he's had good games in there. It's, True, been a, yeah. it's worked well for them before. I just, I think, I don't want to look too much into it because he didn't track um, good enough. Well, he was... He was well, pretty poor throughout, I thought. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just think we're talking we're talking about a guy at the start of the season that we had to discuss comments being made about Arsenal, who went on to challenge for a title, lacking a Christian Eriksen type player in their midfield. Yeah. yeah. Well, I still disagree with that. Like, just oh, that's the, just the, punditry bullshit. The, the, just yeah, but the levels in which some people thought he was on at the start of this season in comparison to mm. where he is now are just there's so much space between them. No, I still oh yeah, I still think he's valuable and there'd be plenty of clubs in the Premier League that would still want him, maybe not the top. Top six, um, maybe so. Maybe yeah, maybe he's no good for United anymore. Um, anything else on this game? I think uh, the one takeaway I had, Tom, we were talking about this during the game that Kanye uh, was surprised me a lot uh, at left back. He's well, he surprised me in general. This guy, he's another one that he came across from Dortmund, and I think he had a year at PSG maybe before as well. And yeah, um, that's my best from Dortmund to PSG. Ended up at City, and every time I watched him play, I thought. This guy's not great. He goes to City and Pep turns him into a all of a sudden a left back that can just plug up and uh plug up the defense and get forward on the overlap and do whatever you need. Mm, you de- you're describing him as like a really good butt plug, but he's way better than that. He <laughs> is mobile and like he offers he that solidity in that left center back if Pep wants to play like a 3-2-4-1. Yeah. He's just he's the perfect foil on that side. Uh, in support of Grealish as well, who loves to track back and works hard, as uh, you know, which probably goes against the stereotype of Grealish. Uh, but they, they, I think they've struck up a really good partnership, those two. And he is, he's looking like a steal at what was it, eight million pounds. Mm. That's the kind of signing that everybody should be going out to try and make, not City. Like it doesn't make any sense. City have all the money in the world, and yet they're making shrewd pieces of business like that. I, th- I think he's been great, and he's you're going to see a lot more of him next season. There's yeah. been a lot of love from City supporters this season for Akanyi and also for Nathan Arke, um, a guy that was sort of on the verge and a guy that they necessarily weren't too sure about. Have both had really fantastic seasons, and I don't know if that's a credit to Pep or them or the system that they play, but they've just been really good. Uh, I think, it, was... I think it, it, it's system-based, isn't it? But it's also the two guys in front of them. Um, when you've got Rodri and John Stones offering the support that they do, I think it does allow for them to play with the, the, you know, the kind of looser centre-backs you would think. They wouldn't work as well in a Newcastle or, you know, more defensively-minded side. But uh, for City, yeah, they they thrive. Yeah, or in a team that's not good enough to just hold on to the ball. No, that's a good point. Because then you're vulnerable. <laughs> All right. Um, there was a Europa League final last week and Sevilla have gone and done it again. Uh, they came out on top on penalties against Roma. Um Jose Mourinho lost the plot. Um, a few of Roma's fans lost the plot. We saw some disgusting scenes at the airport. Um, 
I thought Roma were going to get this done, but Sevilla just, uh, this is their comp, isn't it? Certainly is. What's that? Seven in seven Europa League finals now. Uh, a run amassed over 18 years. So that's like it, only in the 21st century they've won fucking good. seven of these finals. Yeah. Uh, dating back to anyone? Can anyone uh, guess this? I don't know. What year and any... who did they beat? I can't give you the year, but I reckon was it 3-0 against Borough? Oh, what do you reckon, Coop? I have no idea. He's close. It's 4-0 against Borough. 4-0 against Borough. Uh, Freddie Canute on the board yeah, a couple you could, of times. I, I, yeah, I don't have goal scorers, but you oh, can okay. go for it. All right. Well, I know. I remember Freddie scoring maybe maybe two. It could have just been one, but yeah. Um, Saints. That's like they're the most successful team in the competition by far now with seven. I think Inter, Liverpool, uh, Juve maybe. They've all got three. Um, this, this is their comp and it's... It's just it's it's crazy that they can consistently come out in Europe's, uh, you know, or it used to be their Mickey Mouse competition. Now it's the the middle tier, the Europe's Championship, and um, just dominate consistently like they do. Mm. But it, in saying that, big talking points in the game. Did you catch the the handball incident, which may have been the reason that sparked the furore at Anthony Taylor in the airport? I didn't. I'll be honest with you. I didn't get up to watch this Europa League final between these two. Nah. I'm waiting for Cooper to get involved because he's a so-called uh, it is Roma in, fan. In comparison to every penalty we have seen this season given <laughs> for a handball, it has to be, doesn't it? Like just any form of bias or whatever aside, geez, it has to be a penalty, doesn't it, Tom? Like I just I don't understand I how it's gone ungiven and then VAR's not touched it. It's just it's shocking. Ugh, it's rough when you're given the one that um, Grealish has been pinged for in the FA Cup final. And then you compare it to this. Um, you're talking about the idea of hands being in natural and unnatural positions. Just because his right arm is also flailing out to the side as his left arm is, doesn't mean that both arms are in natural positions. That's just both how they are at that point. It's almost like they want <clears throat> someone to be a statue. And then if you get hit while trying to be as still as possible, uh, you're okay. But if you actually make a genuine attempt to block the ball, then you're fucked. It might... It, it just, that baffled me. I thought it was a penalty. And I hate giving away penalties. Mm, that's grim. That's really grim. I don't, I don't know about Premier League refs. I just don't know about them. Some of these guys <laughs> are shocking. Uh, but, you know, we need them. I don't think, mm. oh, I think we're all in agreement that. Would you throw a chair at him, Sam? Throwing chairs at them at the airport. I was pretty, it was pretty tough to watch that. Like his daughter was in tears. Like as they were like kind of being ushered through. And then we saw dickheads online being like, oh, well, why would you bring your family to it when you know what, like, as if that's some sort of like, you know, the whole victim blaming thing, like, it's just fucked. It's just fucked. It's very, it's very odd because like no one has a problem with players, managers, coaching staff, bringing family members to a game. But like a referee in their mind, refereeing a European final, that's like... A crowning okay. glory for them as well. Why Absolutely. wouldn't you bring your family to it? Yeah, no yeah. one, no one questioned the families of West Ham players being in attendance in the Conference League semi-final when they were targeted. Yeah, exactly. Um, ridiculous stuff. Uh, that's probably enough for that. I don't know how much anyone really cares about Europa League, but it's a thing. Just, it happens I, each year in severe. Winter. Just, just had one more cool point on this. Uh, Gonzalo Montiel uh, scored has scored the winning penalty now in both the Europa League and yeah. World Cup final shootouts this season, and I thought. Man had absolute balls of steel to come up after he missed the first one. And then mm. Patricio is ruled uh, to have encroached. Not, you know, 
when I think of encroaching, I think of uh, Jersey Judek in the in the <laughs> Champions League final. That's encroaching. This guy didn't do that, but I, I'm glad that we've got this rule. I suppose it it kind of standardizes everything, and you just stay on your line. Um, and so to be able to retake it and and score the winner like that is pretty nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's time for some Ange watch because there's a big move happening, Tommy. Ange um, watch. And the biggest won, move. And secured the treble for Celtic on Saturday night after the FA Cup final. They beat Inverness uh, 3-1. Um, but now the deal has been done. Uh, Spurs have announced him, I think, officially now as we go to air. So, jeez, uh, I don't know how big you think this is, but, like, this is an Australian manager at a top six Premier League club. This is like like Harry Kuehl, Liverpool territory, mm. isn't it? Oh yeah, stating it. No, no, this is huge. Um, this is as big as it's been in the last, you know, 10, 15 years since that golden generation uh, period where we had all of those players in the Premier League. Uh, you know, I'd, people do this, and I didn't want to do it, but we had Joe Montemuro who managed the um the Arsenal women's team, so it's not. Yeah, it's it has happened before. Um, but for Ange, you know, I, I always link it back to can you believe. Um, that Frank Farina being caught drink driving way back in 2009 would lead to Ange managing Spurs now. It's just the, the craziest butterfly effect you could think of. Uh, we, we love Ange on here. And we do. For years, for years now, we've sung this man's praise. And I, this isn't where I wanted to see him go, but you can't you can't bemoan the man for taking an opportunity in, in Europeans. Europeans elite, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Um- he talked a bit about um, how thankful he was to the Celtic board for giving him the opportunity because it was a big move for Celtic to go and get him from the J-League, given the European snobbery that was going on in that sense, Um, even though, I don't know why, we've said it before, I don't know why Scots felt like they were so far above Japanese football. Um, But obviously Celtic, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the world, despite what you may think of their league, uh, their man ranges through sheer fan numbers globally um, are massive. And it was a huge move for him. And then at his age, he's never going to turn down an opportunity to go to the Premier League, is he? No way. I mean, and did you see how many people were bringing up his age in contestation for um, him being given the job? And there's, you know, there's all sorts of those crazy fans now in the comments saying he's not good enough, linking his career's history. You know, the same shit that he went through when he joined Celtic two seasons ago. Yeah. Um, but this this is a guy who is legitimately a born winner. Like you, there's not too many of them. And he is one of them. Wherever he goes, he wins trophies. He breeds success. And when you contrast that with the fact that there's only ever been 13 non-European managers in England's England's top flight ever. That's not just Barclay, that's ever. You can see why there are limitations and boundaries to guys getting an opportunity. Uh, you know, managing in the Premier League. And so you can't really hang shit on him for his age or for where he's come from or what he's done because it is so hard to get there. Yeah. Pippi, you got anything to add on this? It's just funny watching, to me, look, I think Ange deserves it. I I think he'll do great. Um, Defining what great is for Spurs is probably the biggest challenge. How much Mm. of a a push towards success does he need to have to be successful with Spurs in comparison to what they've had in the last few years? What, um, uh, what, what do you think? What do you think he needs to do? I probably think he has two years to get them in the top four. Right. I reckon he's got four months to get him in the top four. 
You reckon? Win. They've given him a four-year deal, though. Mm. They've given I him think a four-year deal, which indicates, but, I think, that he's going to be given some time. I hope so, but they've given long deals to uh, managers in the past and been quite flippant in their, their excessive sacking. No, I, th- I think I, I'm just worried. I'm just, I just worried. For him. I, I think it's time for if Tottenham want to go anywhere in the next ten years, it's time they be honest with themselves about where they are as a football club. You can't just naturally expect to bounce back into the top four when you're simply just not there. They also just been they've been going on this ride for years now. With like it started with the like Mourinho thing, and we've said it on here before. Like they like and their fans now doing this thing. They had all these campaigns going, like people starting petitions to not get him and stuff. Like, who do you think you are to think you're above a manager like Ange at this point, Tottenham? Like, you've tried the well-known, reputable managers. They haven't worked. Or, you know, they've been sacked. And um, I think the players have a bit to answer for as well in that sense. You know, they seem to not really get behind their manager either. Um, Hopefully, there's a change this time. I can see it working. I think for Ange and for Spurs in general, I think, I don't know how much winning things will be like on the agenda. But certainly I think Spurs fans should accept maybe if Ange can bring back a certain style of football for them to watch and enjoy when they're going to the football rather than the absolute shit that they've been dishing up lately. Like results aside, ignoring results, like it's the style of play that they've been having. It's It's been a joke for Spurs mm-hmm. when you consider that the talent they've had in that attacking third um, so I think Ange will make the most of that, and I think they'll play some good football, and that should be that should be their minimum, you know, for the next season. Not worrying about you, ladder positions and things like that. You would hope so. After the dross that Conte has served up over the last season, um, yep. you would think even just yeah, arresting that kind of entertainment factor will be enough. I hope so. I I just I don't I don't rate Spurs fan base that highly. I think they are no. success driven more than they are style. Um, but yeah, let, and let's more than hope... they're probably more than they're probably entitled to be, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, it could be the fact that it's been so long that, uh, like, the need for success drives harder than you know seeing pretty football. Um, but like you said, you just got to come to grips sometimes that you're not Manchester City, you're not Liverpool, and like you haven't really as- not asserted Arsenal. yourself as that. Yeah, you're not. You're not at Arsenal. Yeah. Um, which, you know, hopefully that's what Levy's trying to emulate. He wants to get Ange in, four-year project. You know, let yep. them let them finish 12th next season, maybe. Like, give him time. Yeah. But I, I hardly doubt it. I saw, a, um, I saw a fantastic thread from a Tottenham supporter who was trying to just ignore all the negativity and just do some, not necessarily be positive, but do some research and look into Ange and what he's done. And he somehow ended up in a loophole and made a Twitter thread about how ridiculous some of the team names in the A-League are in comparison to what they're used used to in Europe and England. Like, why has the shambles of a country got teams called the Raw and the Victory and the Glory and then National Professional League? Like, just proper meltdown. (laughs) Yeah, well, look, I'm not here for that. They've got teams with Town and Albion in it. Like, how much more provincial pov could you be? <laughs> I'd much pov. prefer the Ritz, the, you know, the glamour of the raw. <laughs> the Ritz and the glamour. I love that. Uh, moving on. A bit of movement at AC Milan just quickly uh, because Latan Ibrahimovic uh, at the age of, what is he, 42 or 40, uh, has retired. He's officially said farewell. And he's not the only one in a shock move just a few hours before we went to air. Um, 
Paolo Maldini and Ricky Massara, the technical and sporting directors of AC Milan, have been sacked. Sacked, you say, Sammy? Sacked. What? They've been sacked uh, due to ongoing disagreements with the ownership group. Uh oh. That, that cannot that cannot bode well for the well, upcoming season. Milan fans are already furious, I can tell you. Um, obviously, a lot of love for Maldini. Maldini's been the technical director for um, a little while now, for three years, I think. And in yeah. that time, they've qualified for the Champions League for the first time and like three times in a row. Uh, they have made a Champions League semi-final. They've won the Scudetto won. for the first time since like, uh, what, 10-11 season? Mm-hmm. And he's out the door because this ownership group uh, just disagree with him and don't get along with him. Yeah, um, I've read that there's, is... I've read that there's many believing that they're they're after a yes man in that position, and they don't want someone that actually has a kind of forceful vision for the club. Yeah, it's one of these, another one of these, you know, overseas, you know, investment groups like this mm. Redbird Capital ownership group, and it's got like. Passive investors in there, guys like Drake and LeBron have like small financial stakes in it, whatever. Like they have one of the connoisseurs of football. <laughs> one of the companies involved is like a parent company of the New York Yankees and stuff like that. So it's just oh, like yeah. just rich dudes throwing their money in, and whoever's running them is, uh, you know, just the casualties. Be, yeah, just just wants the yes man in. I I take it, and uh, I don't know. You Which, can't, it's, cutting out someone terrible. like Maldini is like cutting the heart out. Like, oh, hell fucked. yeah. Yeah. I, I read that it's the first time since 1978 that there's no Maldini involved at AC Milan. Yeah. Uh, I right. think yeah. I think that's just because the young fellow's on loan. He should come back. But yeah, they'll, probably just, they'll probably just sell him now. He'll get cut. Yeah. They'll probably just force him out. Um, but yeah. I've got a Daniel, no Maldini rule. Daniel Maldini is not bad. He, he'll go okay. I don't know if he'll make it at Milan, but he'll be a good footballer. But anyway, there's some there's some news there. It's pretty pretty daunting. But I don't know. It's It says a lot about modern football, I think, just these foreign ownership groups that don't have any true investment in the community or the club and the area that it's in. Um, I think that's why I still have such a big love for German football and the way it's run there with their yeah. ownership, their ownership policies so that... The fifty you know, plus one. Yeah, they can never own they can never own the complete majority stake. Yeah. Here, here. Yeah. All right, moving on. Let's get to some Premier League stuff. Let's do our moment of the season. Um I don't know how we're gonna do this. I'll just I'll wanna flip a little coin here in front of me to see which one of you gets to go first. We should do a three way rock, paper, scissors. Uh I flipped my coin, it's too late. Tommy, you're first. Moment of the season. Moment of the season. Um, in uh, we talk about just the EPL. Yeah, I you cannot go past early on. What was it? August, late August, early September. Yeah. Um, Spurs two 0 up away at Nottingham Forest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, job done by Kane and Co. Uh, Richarlison steps off the bench, <laughs> and the man who loves to be the center of attention. Picks up the ball on the byline, right in front of the city grounds. Uh, most most boisterous fans on that side. Uh, just begins juggling it. A little game of nice. keepy up to himself. Bit of, bit of juggle. Bit of a Charleston juggle. Because what else are you going to do with a couple of minutes to go yeah. in a Premier League football match? Yeah. At 2-0 up. Would, would you want to score the first anyway. goal for your new club? No. 
You just want to pick it up, juggle it a couple of times. But the moment of the season is him dishing the ball off and getting absolutely scythed down by Forrest Brennan Johnson. Yeah, the stadium going ballistic for it too. <laughs> just lapping it up. So your moment of the season is Rashadison getting hacked down by a Forest player. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's correct. Okay. That's correct. That's fine. All right, Cooper. Um, I was gonna gonna jump the same as Tommy. Um, I know we're we're <laughs> yes, hard on here the, we go. Richarlison <laughs> hate bandwagon. Um, I was really split between the <laughs> Richarlison getting chopped by Nottingham Forest player or Harland mocking Ben Godfrey on the corner earlier. Oh, that was brilliant. So meme worthy as well. Yeah, nice, very good. Um, my moment of the season is Richarlison doing a pigeon dance and then Liverpool scoring moments later. Um. Him and Son doing the pigeon dance together is the funniest thing I've ever seen from these two egotistical fuckwits who have not won a thing. Um, and they're just like, this guy has scrambled <laughs> an equalizer <laughs> only to concede a losing goal moments later in the celebration that went for like six minutes. Um, absolute scenes. Anyway, uh, back to you, Tommy. Do you have another moment that isn't Richarlison related? No, my 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 actual okay. favorite okay. moment of that the is... Premier League season oh. uh, would, sorry, my actual moment. Like I love seeing players cut down for doing stupid shit, but above and above all else was Frank Lampard's reign as Chelsea manager. <laughs> yeah, you just, you just cannot beat a win percentage of fourteen. Long moment. It's a long moment. Yeah, it's a... yeah for a moment. It's, it's spanning a few weeks. Maybe it's a period. It's my favorite yeah. period in okay. the Premier League season. Yeah, very um, good. To only rack up one win and one draw out of what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Oh, he got two draws, sorry, because he got that draw in the last day of the season. Yeah. The man got five points out of a possible thirty-three. And I I just I can't think of a more deserved guy to continually get high-profile managerial positions in England. Yep, fair. The merit, it's the meritocracy, Savvy. It's a good call. It's a good call. Um, Cooper, do you have an actual moment or are you just still sticking with Rosales and getting cut no, down? No, I'm going I'm to go Liverpool beating United 7-0 at Anfield. Um, yeah, great call. And <laughs> the commentary team dropping the statistic that since he signed for Liverpool in 2017, Mohamed Salah has been booked against Man United for taking his shirt off in a celebration more times than Man United have scored against Liverpool. There you go. Oh, stats. that really rubs it. Statman Coop. He's not just going vibe-based this week. He's pulling out the stats. I love that. Um, my moment of the season, all right, this is going to need a little bit of explaining because it might seem silly, but my moment of the season is the Jorginho winner for Arsenal well, they, they ended up scoring another goal, but the the bomb from long range against Villa, um, it was at a point in the season where Arsenal at the time were still right in the title race that they were leading comfortably-ish, uh, but you knew you just kind of had to keep getting the results. And I think from an Arsenal perspective, this is the sort of game where Arsenal have just crumbled in the past, um, not being out the, the late fight back, not really in their locker. And so this moment where Jorginho scored that goal and the lift it gave everyone... Um, it was a huge moment. I think, I know it hasn't panned out well for Arsenal over the rest of the season. I think only, what, five wins from their last 11 games. Um, but that moment, I think, showed that there is a bit of, this is a different side and they may not be able to challenge City again next year. But, you know, um, 
But Arsenal fans, it looks like a, a big positive step towards the future. And I think the Jorginho goal was the, the the symbol of it. Lovely. That's wholesome, Sammy. I like that. Thanks, man. No worries. Someone brought a little bit of heart and sincerity <laughs> to the pod. Yeah, I'm not just talking about Lampard's <laughs> reign <laughs> of terror. People's or- failures. Man United getting absolutely belted. And then, uh, yeah, okay. Um, well, you were going to struggle for a Leeds moment, weren't you? So we, um, uh, well, we beat Chelsea 3 0. That was fun. Yeah, that, that would have been fun. All right, let's do this. Let's do our, uh, we're going to do our Premier League five aside teams. Yeah. Okay. So I believe the way we've chosen to do this, we've got some rules. We're going to pick one from each area of the pitch. So it'd be one goalkeeper, one defender, one midfielder, one forward. And then a wild card who you can pick from any area of the pitch. Um, Tom, you went first last time, so I'm gonna give Cooper the rein to pick first in this one. We're gonna go, we're gonna start with the goalkeeper. Who have you got? Are we saying just is this like when you say pick first, is it like draft style? If someone else takes one of my players, I have to go somewhere else or can uh, no, you can we can pick the same, it's fine. Because I'd imagine uh, we may have some double ups in here, but pick your goalkeeper, Cooper. I got a feeling you might shred me for this one, Sammy. Oh, um, here we go. For, it's gonna be gonna Allison, go, it's it? gonna it's gonna be Allison. Fuck. Um, I am going to the reason I've gone with Allison, uh, second most clean sheets in the Premier League in one of the most defensively inept sides of the Premier League season. Right. Okay, that's well argued. That's a, it's well argued, I guess. I guess I'll give it to you. But um nice little backhanded compliment for Liverpool. Yeah, no, he was he was good. He's always good. He he worries me with the ball sometimes. I think he's a bit too. What's the same? Blase. I always see boots. the um. I always see the Cruyff turn against Leicester where where he oh, slipped his ass and Vardy scored into the open goal. Every time the ball comes to his feet, <laughs> I just have flashbacks. Cruyff like. turn. No, so Cooper's gone. Allison as his goalkeeper. I love that. That's a great call. Uh, uh, Tommy. Uh, I've gone. Uh, one David Raya of Brentford. Ooh. He for uh, he had the most saves in the league, uh, 154, which was uh, a little bit more than next. I think it was Pope. No, it wouldn't have been Pope. I think it was some other shitty goalkeeper. But Leno, it was Leno out of Fulham. Yeah. Uh, but for me personally, he had um, 166 FPL points, and we had Ray in for most of our FPL season. He was the bedrock of our mid-table mediocrity. So. For me, Raya, great performance. And he's been linked with all sorts of moves now. So we'll see where he ends up at the beginning of the next season. Yeah, great call. Um, mine may shock you both, but I have gone with David De Gea. Um, David De Gea kept 17 clean cheats this year, and it was the most in the Premier League. Um, so I feel like just under the radar, because this guy has obviously, he started making some pretty glaring mistakes at times. And I think those mistakes stand out and are made to be bigger than what they are. But this guy faced a lot of shots this year, made a lot of saves. Um, And I think what's telling is that United conceded so many shots on goal, yet he still kept the most amount of clean sheets. And I think that's pretty telling. So um, I'm going to give him my goalkeeper position. David De Gea. I like, I like that, but I think it's funny in the broader context that everyone is saying that De Gea has to go at the end of the season, even though he did keep the most clean sheets, won the golden glove. I know, ridiculous. It's it's a weird discussion that's happening amongst uh, Man United fans at the moment. I can see why they want to get rid. Um, not adept at you know at the, uh, with his feet, and you know you could just say there's question marks over the second goal against City on the weekend, and yeah, the mistakes you alluded to as well. Uh, but he is just 
he's still a good goalkeeper. So I don't. Yeah, I just I yeah I don't see where the hate feels unnecessary. Absolutely. All right, back to you, Coop. We're into the defenders now. Who are you picking as your defender for this season? Yeah, as my defender for this season, I'm going to take Kieran Trippier, and he's going to wear mm. the armband for me as well. Ooh. It, was a, it was a big. That was I just I know we didn't have to, but add that in there. It was a big part of my decision. Um, I felt like he was probably the, the best. leadership. I felt like he was probably the best leader in the Premier League this season. Defensively solid, offers a lot going forward, and he just balanced that Newcastle team. You know, it's a, it's a side with pieces coming in and going all over the place this season, and, and he was the guy that brought it all together for me. Yep, fair call. Uh, Tommy, your defender. I thought there were slim pickings in this section for the Prem. Okay. Um, one didn't immediately come to mind. You know, stood out for like, Defensive qualities that I like, you know, tackling, heading, intercepting, the bread and butter stuff. Um, I thought, do you go like Ruben Diaz because they had a great season, City? But how much did he really have to do defensively? Yeah, like, do you want to debase yourself and pick one of the tainted Newcastle United defenders? Not so much. <laughs> so we'll leave that aside. Settled on Arsenal's Gabriel. Okay, who, interesting. Yeah, might be leftist, and I think he cops a lot of shit, and I think visually. He's not always the most uh, robust or, you know, consistent defender. But when you look at what he did this season, he started every game in the Prem. Um, you can kind of forgive that he wasn't always the best, but more often than not, a reliable stalwart in a very good arsenal uh, in a team that conceded the third, uh, the equal third fewest goals. And I just, I thought we saw him go to a level that we haven't seen before. Interesting. I, I creased my face then at you, Tommy, because I... I was looking through centre-backs and I really personally felt like Gabriel got exposed after Arsenal lost Saliba. And I thought that if someone went an Arsenal defender, they would have been taking Saliba. Mm, that's cool. I probably would have taken Saliba if he had played the the full, you know, the, the you full duration the last of the season. Time. Which, yeah, ended up being the most crucial, right? I think, yeah. you, a bit, I think vice versa, if you're taking Gabriel out and Saliba was the one in, it still would have fared the same. You can't underestimate that kind of understanding when you get you're a just good... on the you're just on the back of no one deserves to be judged for playing next to Rob Holding. Uh, yeah, in a sense, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't they didn't really have a third centre back to come in, did they? Um, and you know that's I think it's when you get that kind of understanding between the two centre backs and you take one out right at the end of the season, they're both going to suffer no matter who it is. Um, and if you want to talk attacking output, Gabriel had uh, 18 goals and assists this season, uh, so yeah, very good season, I think. 18 goals and 18 assists? Nah, combined. It would be nice if it was both, wouldn't it? <laughs> Fucking yeah. hell. Everyone um, would be after him. Be 100 yeah, million well, pounds. Interesting point there, because I was almost about to take William Saliba, um, but instead I've gone the same as Cooper. I've gone Kieran Trippier. Tommy, you're going to hate that. I don't know why you just have <laughs> despised Newcastle right now, but uh, Kieran Trippier played in, what, all 38 of the Premier League games, one goal, uh, seven assists, Played a huge part in their league cup run where they got to the final going down to Man United. A stack of clean sheets for that Newcastle team, which he was a big part of. And including there was that run in December where they went about five games in the in the league in a row without conceding a goal. Um, you guys would know, oh, well, Tommy, you especially, when we started this pod, Trippier was a big part of Atletico Madrid side. And I thought he flew massively under the radar with England fans. But, you know, I've been big on this guy for a while. So, um Pretty happy to include him in my team right now. There you go. Yep. Yep. The only the only thing I would bite back at and say it's very easy to keep clean sheets when your main goal in a game is to make sure that the football game isn't actually going. 
Like if you play 50 minutes out of a possible 90, yeah, you, you're in a better opportunity to not concede well, goals. So. Well, if, super harsh if, on Newcastle United. If Leeds decided that the game wasn't going, maybe they'd still be in the Premier League if it's that easy to keep clean sheets. Ooh, yeah, if it's so easy, do it. Not not sure what that's got to do with it. If it's so easy, keep a clean sheet. Um, Cooper, it's your turn to pick a midfielder. Uh, yeah, Kevin De Bruyne. Not Kevin sure. Bruyne. Much no, on the obvious. To, yeah. to really be said about that, yeah. It sticks out like a sore thumb. It does a bit, yeah. Well, you don't even have to justify it. It's just there. It's KDB. Uh, Tommy. Uh, yeah, for sheer quality and consistency, KDB. But um, if you're talking just this season and for the makeup of my five-a-side team, because my wild card is, is going to make sense in the, the structure of the whole setup, okay. I want Bakayo Saka. You want I Saka reckon. as your midfielder? Uh, I want Saka as my midfielder. Are you going to let that pass? Uh, I'll let it go. I would have said he's a forward because he played on the wing, but mm. I'll let you. I'll let you have it. Because I went just with a straight out striker for my forward. So thank you for that. Uh, Fourteen goals, twelve assists, electrifying winger, uh, output to match, and yeah, he's just yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah, big call. Cool. Um, I, uh, you know, KDB was the obvious choice. I also considered, you know, Rodri. Gundogan, who I love, I went a bit, I went for something a bit different, all right, because I thought there might be a bit of KDB love there and there wasn't, but um, I've gone with Ruben Neves. Um, I'm not saying he was the best midfielder in the Premier League. That's not the aim of this game, but um, he had an interesting year, a midfielder with the the fourth highest amount of passes for a midfielder. Um, the only ones ahead of him were Rodri, Declan Rice and Hoiberg, mm. um, and he did it in a Wolves team that finished 13th. Um, he was also involved as a defensive midfielder, was involved in one in every five goals that Wolves scored this season. Um, I think he's a tremendous player and I still think he's, I don't know, he's 26 now. Is he going to get that big club move? Surely someone's going to grab him at some point. Maybe he a late should. bloomer. Maybe he's the next Gundogan and in, and in five, six years we'll be like, holy cow, this guy's wicked. He's got uh, Ange Spurs signing written all over him, doesn't he? Well, he does a bit, yeah. Oh, I like it. I like it. I was honestly thought you were going to go uh, Erdegaard. So, for you to come out with Neves, I mean, it's good. It's good for yeah, the five side team. I just I didn't want to, a bit I of structure. Didn't, I didn't want to keep it obvious. I just wanted. I was trying to mix it up a bit. Um, yeah. Hooper, who is your forward for this season? Yeah, I didn't want to keep it obvious and you know mix it up a bit either. So Erling Haaland, <laughs> love that. <laughs> <laughs> Straight down the barrel. Doesn't give a shit about this, does he? I just, I think KDB was the one that you could potentially stray away from. I think you know if you're trying to pick a -a five-a-side team out of the Premier League this season and give yourself the best chance to win a game with it, you're probably just wrong if you don't pick Erling Haaland. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Well, I mean, there's an argument (laughs) for Kane, isn't there? There's an argument for Kane. I think there is. Yeah. 30 goals in a shit poor Spurs side. That's only six less than Haaland in, you know, a treble winning potentially city side. I, 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 mm, you almost, I almost want to argue Kane is more the impressive um, goal tally this season. So is, is Kane your pick? No, I was, I thought you may go Harry Kane. So I was going to consider Ivan Tony. Okay. um, Cause you're going to take a gamble on Ivan Tony. Can I yeah. just stop you there a second, though? <laughs> I'll stop you there a second because we've done nothing in the last few weeks except bash Harry Kane and talk <laughs> about how, despite we all obviously acknowledge his goal-scoring record is incredible, 
Mm. But we talk about what he really offers that team when they're down and out and they need something. And we all agreed that he's pathetic in that sense. So I'm not sure why you thought I would pick Harry Kane. But well, I just wonder, <laughs> on a, on a five-a-side pitch, maybe his heat map wouldn't look so lazy. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> it look better. I thought that one guy that can just hang in the forward third and would bang in them from every corner, he's probably mm. set up for a five-a-side career. Yeah. Well, I heavily um, considered Tony as well, so I'd love to hear your case for it. Uh, well, I've got 20 goals, four assists, and yep. 13 bets on his own team to lose. That is that. elite performance. Elite. Elite. Um, yeah, big fan of Tony. I don't know what you think, Cooper, but um, I don't know. Tony's cool. Um, <laughs> he bets. I like him. <laughs> my forward is I've gone with Mo Salah. Um, Good call. A, a so-called quiet season. Mo Salah still notched up 19 goals and 12 assists in the Premier League only. He was involved in 41% of Liverpool's goals this season in the league. He came fourth in the golden boot, but he's the only one in the top six that is not a striker. He's a winger. I think we're okay with calling him a winger, not a striker. Like he's not now, mm-hmm. now nine, is he? So it went Haaland, Kane, Tony, Salah, Wilson, Rashford. So I think that's super impressive from Salah and just... Super consistent now, this guy, and one of the all-time greats um, of the Premier League, certainly in that discussion. So, uh, you know, there was lots of quiet season chat about him this year, and those numbers are still pretty impressive. Yeah, this is Liverpool, this is uh, Cooper's corner, but yeah, totally agree, man. Salah's put up the numbers again. Mm. Yeah, I agree. No, great pick. He's just Mr. Consistent, um, that one-season wonder that just keeps performing and performing and performing. So long may it continue. Liverpool it does, fans it, are the it, only ones that bring up this one season wonder thing, aren't they? <laughs> they love to hold to it, don't they? Cling just to like, it. Remember when we were the victims that one time? <laughs> they just want to like, I'm not sure if there was ever this one season wonder thing. I feel like it's, Liverpool fans made it up and they just won't let it go. <laughs> They're pretending that everyone else said it all the time. It's fake news, man. It's fake, fake news. news. Yeah. What do you got to say to that, Cooper? That is what it is. Yeah, get fucked. <laughs> all right. It's your turn to pick again. We've got our four from each area of the pitch. Uh, Cooper, I wanted you to give me your wild card pick, but first I want you to tell me what part of the field you've gone for. Yeah, um, good question. I thought when I looked at it, I was like, okay, the wild card really dictates what formation and brand of football I'm going to play. Um, he's going to play at the back next to Kieran Trippier. Um, and it's Sven Botman. Botman. <sighs> Thomas is throwing up on the podcast now, thanks to you, Coop. Good job, man. I love that. Can you make the case, please? I just think, you know, fantastic season again. They were so defensively brilliantly set up. I think he was Newcastle's best centre-back. And a combination of him and Trippier will be fantastic at the back. Tommy, your wild card. My wild card. I was going to say, Sven Volpen did have a good season. Um, okay. Let's let let that rest. Uh, my wild card, though, which is going to totally offset whatever Cooper's just tried to pick. He's picked too many defenders for mine personally. I've gone, I know you want me to say the position, but I don't know how to classify this guy anymore. I've picked John Stones. I don't think you can call him a defender anymore. The man is a hybrid midfielder. Didn't play a portion of the season, but since his return, his introduction into the two in City's 3-2-4-1, it's it's been remarkable to watch. And I think it best encapsulated on the weekend that sublime turn he did on the edge of the box where he just lulls Rashford into a false challenge, turns him so swiftly, moves 
like a center back that we haven't seen since maybe, I don't know, Nesta or like we're going yonks back. Yeah. This guy has all the attributes now to succeed in the Premier League. <clears throat> and I think as a five-a-side guy, someone that can drop back and move into midfield and spray the balls out to um to, to Saka or, you know, let Ivan Tony loose in front of goal. He's the perfect wild card for this kind of formation. Yeah, very nice. Great pick. I like it. Cooper, you got anything to add to that? Or we just uh, roll on? I'm just, yeah, we'll just move on. <laughs> we'll just roll on. All right. Good pick. <laughs> um, my wild card is Martin Odegaard. How could it not? Um, bypass him in the midfield category to try and be interesting, but I've gone back to him anyway, just because uh, what did he end up with? The equal most or the most goals from open play from a midfielder in a season? So uh, they, they invented a stat for him, but yeah, well, come on. Come on. You love him too. I do. I do. He's had a great season. Yeah. So Erdegaard's my wild card. I believe that leaves uh well that's it. That's it for our Premier League sides. Um Cooper, just a quick wrap, what were your five? Uh so I've got Allison, Kieran Trippier, Sven Botman, Kevin De Bruyne, Erling Haaland. Tommy. Uh uh David Raya, I've ended up with Gabriel and Bakaya Saka, Ivan Tony and John Stones. Lovely. I've got David De Gea, Kieran Trippier, um, Ruben Neves, Mohamed Salah, and Martin Erdegaard. Uh, now, we also picked a rest of world team, didn't we? Let's quickly go through these, I guess. Just uh, give me the player, a quick little case, and we'll roll on. But Cooper, who is your goalkeeper? Uh, Thibaut Courtois, simply put, best goalkeeper in the world right now. Yeah, great call. That's, that is a great call. Big year with Real Madrid. Um, hard to argue. Tommy. Yeah, that was the one that I tossed up between the one that I've picked. Um, I've ended up with Mark Andrea Testegen. Oh, okay. I thought I thought he stood above all else. Clearly, uh, eighteen goals conceded in thirty eight league games, twenty six clean sheets, save percentage of eighty percent or so. That's hard to beat. I, I don't see a better keeper in Europe. Yeah, nice. I've uh, taken the <laughs> different route once again, and uh, the best. Not he's not the best keeper in Europe, but I've chosen a guy called Mark Flecken, who is the goalkeeper for SC Freiburg. Okay, uh, the most clean sheets in the Bundesliga this year, while making the second most amount of saves in the Bundesliga. Okay, so similar to my argument for David de Gea, uh, facing facing like the most shots, but still keeping the most clean clean sheets. I think that's pretty impressive. He's helped Freiburg to a a fifth-placed finish, so they get Europa League again next year after having it this season um, for a, a club like Freiburg. That's a pretty good feat. That's pretty baller. I like that. Uh, maybe that should be on Man United's radar instead of <laughs> whatever <laughs> monumental fee goalkeeper they want to pick. When maybe. Sammy when Sammy dropped the words rest of world goalkeeper and smiled like that, I was bracing, <laughs> I was bracing for Jamie Young. Oh, <laughs> nah, we'll wait till we... Uh... At some point next week, we'll do a pot about the Socceroos squad. Boy, oh boy. Um, defender, <laughs> Cooper. Um, yeah, defender. I have gone with Marquinhos. I think he's been consistently one of the best defenders in the world <laughs> and in Europe for the last probably two or three years now. Obviously, hasn't got much to test up against in France, but he's always real consistent in the Champions League and, and for Brazil. So, yeah, I'm going to take Marquinhos. Yeah, fair cool. I like Marquinhos, but uh, the PSG factor really deteriorates any picks I was going to have for them, but... Sam, I didn't think of one PSG player, just given that they limped over the line. What did they win by a point? In yeah, the in the French League and then didn't win the Champions League again. So, yeah, uh, Tommy. Disappointment all around. Uh, I've gone for uh, the Napoli centre-back, Kim Mun-Jay. 
Min? Part of the... Kim Min, Jay? Mm, I believe so. Part of the best defence in the league. Only 28 conceded. Yeah, very Uh, good. The 190 centimetre Korean brick shithouse. Excellent in the pass. Wins his headers. Hard to beat one-on-one. What what more could you ask for in the centre back? Yeah, brilliant. Um, I'm going to back it up as well because my defender was also Kim Min Jae from Napoli. Most passes in Lovely. Syria are this season by 400 um, with an accuracy of 91%. He was sixth in the league as well for aerial duels one. And predominantly when you look at these duels one uh, stats, a lot of them are like either midfielders or forwards. So uh, sixth in the league for aerial duels. Love that. Well done. Love that. Can you see uh, Man United sniffing around? He, yeah. It would be such a shame to see him aid like a Manc Red revival, but uh, keen to see this guy succeed. It would. Um, Cooper, who's your midfielder? Uh, yeah, in midfield, I have gone for Federico Valverde. Um, oh, I yeah. like it. Betty cool. Valverde, great. Cool. Love it. Yeah, in there to hold up the midfield by himself, brings a lot of energy, so I think he'd be able to play by himself in there. And he just like, impresses me so much with his work rate, but he's just attacking flair as well, getting forward. You know, Madrid have used him out wide a few times this year, but I prefer him so much in the 10 and through the middle. I just think he's so creative and he's such a weapon. Yeah, brilliant. Can't yeah, argue. love it. I think that, that's a great bloody pick. Um, for me, I thought Jude Bellingham, serious thought, um, didn't get there in the end for the sake of not leaning into the ancient Madrid combination of Modric and Cruz. I went with uh, Gavi. Ooh, I thought play, playing thirty playing thirty six matches in a La Liga winning Barcelona, all of the age of eighteen, that's kind of beyond comprehension. I think for most footballers, I think so. Yeah, brilliant. Um, do you got any? Do you have any of the stats there on him for his season? He or? look on paper, it doesn't look great. He's got yeah. two goals, four assists. You watch uh, him play though. That's it. it. Doesn't scream standout performer, but yeah. um, his dribbling, his vision, the close control. Yeah. change of pace. It's all vital to the counter-attacks that they initiate and win with. Absolutely. When you watch him play, he's an absolute star. My midfielder, of course, predictably, is Jude Bellingham. Um, 14 goals, 7 assists this season. His link-up plays, control, his smarts, um, his knowledge of the game. He just looks super experienced out there, uh, out there already. And he's, well, what is he, 19? Um, 482 duels won in the Bundesliga this season which is the most bony player. You'll hear me go for this Jules 1 stat a lot, but I just think it's crucial, especially in the midfield. You know, if you're winning the most Jules, you're you're some player. Uh, Bundesliga player of the season, can't argue with that. And I genuinely believe that if he was fit to start the final game of the season, that Bruce Dortmund would be champions right now. But um, he couldn't because of a knee injury. But uh, yeah, this kid is going places an absolute star. Definitely. Uh, going to Real Madrid by the look of it, $1. twelve. So <laughs> It looks that way, yeah. Um, <laughs> no need to put it in your multis. Cooper, who was your forward? Yeah, um, I've got explosive, finishing young and upcoming. The player I am most excited about in world football right now, Vinicius Jr. Ooh, rate it. Cool. Rate it. Great call, yeah. Yeah, big time. Got any numbers there or are you just throwing names? No, nah, I'm just going, just not necessarily vibe-based. It just There's not many footballers in the world that excite me like this guy do at the moment. He could genuinely be anything. Yeah, he is. I, I find... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, I read that he's got uh, 20 goals and assists for the second time uh, in, a, in a La Liga season. So the guy's putting up huge numbers. Yeah, I was just going to say, I find Real Madrid, even through all their success in recent years, I find them generally quite boring to watch. 
Um, but he adds just a ridiculous level of excitement. Um, Tommy, who was your forward? This was a tough one because, like, Lewandowski is an easy choice, I think. Yeah. Because he did end up getting uh, whatever the La Liga goal scorer's name. Like, it's such a ridiculous name. It's named after somebody. Anyway. It's like Pin- Pinchiski or Pinchesky. It's like some stupid award. You know, outside of the Harlands and the Canes, obviously, because we picked them in, in England. I went Lataro Martinez. Great pick. Yeah. Not who I thought I re- go, but carry on. I reckon double in the Coppa Italia to win it. Uh, 21 Serie A goals in a respectable third finish. He's got six goals and assists in the, in the Champions League, propelling them into the final. World Cup winner, even if it wasn't his most le- uh, lethal campaign. Like a brilliant 12 months and probably unrivaled by anyone else in European football right now. Mm, okay, huge call. Um, yeah, not who I thought you were going to go because I've picked the player I thought you were going to take and that's Victor Osimhen. Um, 26 goals in 32 appearances in the league, 31 goals in 39 games in all competitions. Um, for context, Ballon d'Or Rashford had 30 goals in 56 <laughs> appearances. So 17 less games for one more goal for Victor Osimhen. He was huge this year. A massive reason why Napoli have taken out the league. Uh, he was missing for the first leg of that Champions League semi-final against Milan, which is... Uh, I guess pretty telling, maybe, of that result in the end, uh, the quarterfinal. Sorry, mm-hmm. of that result. Um, so, yeah, Victor Osimhen goes in. Um, prime, prime Osimhen. No, I did, I did want yeah. to pick him, but it would have meant that I picked three Napoli players in this European and <laughs> European five yeah. side. So I thought, no, nah, I'll, I'll try and change it up. Oh, so you've just given away one of your wild cards, hey? Oh, here we go. I know who it's well, going to be. Uh, Cooper, who is your wild card pick? Uh, yeah, I'm going to make him the first unanimously selected NSF five-a-side player. Um, as Tom described him, the big Korean brick shithouse, Kim Min-jae, is going to play yeah, alongside nice. Marquinhos for me. Beautiful. He's gone to defenders again. He has. He wants to win the five-a-side. Yeah. He's going to set up a low block, kick the ball out at all costs, and do a Love Newcastle. Um, yeah. Newcastle. <laughs> We don't notice, uh, we don't really have anything else to say about Kim Min. I think we wrapped it up, but yeah, absolute monster there. And people, if they hadn't checked out this Napoli side by now and they listened to this pod, then what have you been doing? Go and watch one of their games. Tom, like, it's Tom's too late actually now, but fuck. spot on as well. Eddie Howe's going to manage both of my teams simultaneously. Great <laughs> it. Uh, Tommy, your wildcard pick is obviously a Napoli player, and I think it, I know who it is. It is, without a shadow of a doubt. And like in danger of lazily copying our social media comments, it has to be Cavaradonna. Yeah, no, hold on, hold on. Say it because you pissed on my pronunciation all night. So say it. Cavaradonna. You know what's you know what's fucking even worse is I've got the pronunciation in like phonetics written here, and I still can't say it. Nice. Cavaradonna. State your case for Kvaradona. He's just, he's built for this wildcard slot. Like he, mm. he scored some perlers, laid off some mind-blowing assists. I think most people would have seen the backheel assist that he did in the Champions League that just opened up the most incredible goal that you could think of. Um, yep. He's like an untamed mercurialist. He yep. brings fun back into football. Great call. Um just set it on fire this year and made it cause a lot of trouble for people who couldn't say his name. It still is. <laughs> um, 
My wild card spot, I did consider Cavadona, but I just could not go through it without picking a Lazio player, given that they finished second in the league this season, a huge result for them. Um, so I've gone with the big midfielder, Sergei Malinkovic-Savic. Um, helped them to second, uh, giant serve midfielder, just nine goals and eight assists. But again, I'm going with the most duels won um, in the league. I'm big on that stat. Uh, he also had the most duels lost which is interesting. But I think that gives you a really good indication of this guy's energy and just his... The amount, the amount of jewels he gets involved the, in. The amount of fucking jewels he gets involved in. Um, the guy. What is he, always, like an, an old school Western out of a... Oh, he's, he's just always in there for a scrap and always up for a fight, and you love that. And I think his leadership and just like the grunt he brings, brings that, uh, that angry Slavic attitude into that team, and it's brilliant. Um He's also super talented and can hit goals from wherever he likes. Not his most successful season. He did miss a few games here and there, but um, I think he's still got bigger and better to come. So that's my wild card. Um, I think that just about brings us to an end. We'll just uh, wrap it up here. Cooper, what was your your five? Um, I've got Thibaut Courtois, Marquinhos, Kim Min-Jay, Federico Valverde and Vinicius Jr. Very good. Tommy, your five. Yeah, I've got uh, Tostegan, who's going to face off against Kim Min-Jae, uh, uh, Gavi, Lataro Martinez, and Cavaradonna. Brilliant. I've gone Mark Flecken, Kim Min-Jae, Jude Bellingham, Victor Osimhen, and Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Good stuff. How about we just have a look through? I think I know we asked some listeners for their their teams today, so I'm just going to go through some of these and just give it a bit a bit of a yay and nay. Um, Daryl, uh, loyal listener, always commenting on our stuff. Love that. Keep getting around it, man. Um, Alison, Trippier, Rodri, Holland, and then he's gone Salah or Trent. Would you take or Salah Trent. or Trent? Uh, in that lineup, Salah. I don't people think would, you need Trent. People would take Trent because he wants a second defender, wouldn't you? I wouldn't necessarily call Trent a second defender. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> you're not picking him as a forward. That's very true. Um, okay. I'll pick him as a midfielder. Um, also, for his rest of world, he went to Stegen. I think you had to Stegen, Tommy. Um, mm-hmm. Hakimi flew in there. Jude Bellingham, Victor Osimhen, uh, and then That's a choice of either Vinny or Cavaradonna. It's pretty obvious. Uh, Nick uh, Toon sent this one through just to piss you off, Tommy, I reckon. Nick Pope, Kieran Trippier, Joel Linton, Alex Isak, and ASM, uh, Sam Maximum. Oh, How do you feel God. about that team? I can smell the blood money from here. Ugh. I was I was actually it's about disgusting. it until he said until he said ASM. I was I was on board until he dropped the ASM. <laughs> well, um, Pope's good. Don't get me wrong. Pope's good. He he definitely could have made our five side team in goals. I'm trying to find some uh, different choices here. Uh, something out of the left field. We've got a uh, Dusty's gone. Aaron Ramsdale. He's also got Lissandro Martinez and Rafael Leal in his West of World with Marco Verratti and Edda Militao from Inter and Onana, the Inter cool. keeper. So yeah, cool. Bit of diversity. Yeah, don't mind it. What do looks we think like of... we ha- we've got some in tune listeners by the sound. What of do we it. think of Lissandro? Uh, I thought he, I thought he had a decent season. Yeah, same. if he could have remained injury free and played out the rest of it, maybe you could yeah. have. How do we feel have, about the um the contrast of combination between Kim Min Jae and Lissandro Martinez? If Kim does end up at Man United, <laughs> <laughs> I think Kim plays with Varane, doesn't he? And then uh, the butcher becomes the rotated centre back. No, I disagree. I think I think Martinez is probably <clears throat> number one at Man United right now. Interesting. 
Mm, I think um, Lissandro just had that season, I think, where he was probably just underneath the top tier of guys. But, you know, he, you know, another year like that, maybe improve. He'll be good. Um, Kim, Kim just feeds into Ten Hag's passing out of the back philosophy so well. And he'll yeah. be a massive signing for him. We need to highlight here, um, Shane's gotten in touch with his rest of world team. And I don't know what the <laughs> fuck's going on here, but he's got Ter Stegen, Sergio Ramos, who... Yep. Okay, I guess he still <laughs> kicks the ball for PSG. Um, Scott Brown, who retired last season. Um, Lukaku, who had not a great year. And Pogba, who has been the biggest flop Serie A signing in probably history, he's played about six games this season. Shame. What year? What year what? has he selected this team based on? That's what I want to know. I don't understand what's don't happened know. in this comment section either. You've you've put it out and you've gone five aside teams from this season, and we want to hear yours. And for some reason, Bebo's gone off the rails with I've gone for overall and not the season. We didn't ask for that. I no love one, that. No one asked for that. Hey, Bebo's been on the pod before. He talked England. He can do whatever he likes. Um, he said, he's he a said fellow he's, Leeds fan of Tom as well. He's happy to provide a one for this season. So maybe <laughs> if he if he drops one, we'll yeah. we'll rejudge later. What? If, yeah. Edison, Trent, Bernardo, Kante, Mares, and then <laughs> oh yeah, it's he's he's yeah. left. I was, Tom and I were going through that team when we had the the night shift meltdown just before, and we thought, geez, he's left Edison for dead a bit there, hasn't he? The only thing in between him and the goal is Trent. <laughs> Trent, pop that Edison. Uh, he'll be right. Um, Andy Dyer's put up a couple of good ones here. I really like this team. Uh, De Gea, Reese James. How do we feel about that? No. Didn't play this season. Can't can't have him. Overrated. Okay. Yeah, he did. He started off well though. Um. De Bruyne, obviously, Highland, Mares. Um, but this one, Courtois, who I believe you had, Cooper. Teo Hernandez, who flew under the okay. radar. Um, sure. yep. A brilliant season at Milan, Teo mm-hmm. Hernandez. Him and Rafael Leal carry that team. Um, Luka Modric snuck in still. Yep. That, that's fair. Mr. I think King, that's fair. Isn't it? You'd still put him in top three European to. midfielders. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, and the one who – he's got Vinny Jr. in there. And then the one who nearly made my wild card was – uh, Leipzig's in Kunku. Oh, cool. Yeah. He's got all sorts of suitors at the moment. Uh, what did they win? They won the they won DFB the, Pokal? Yeah, the DFB Pokal, the German Cup. Yeah. They won that. That was Saturday night as well, I believe. They won that 2-0 against yeah. Eintracht Frankfurt, who are now racking up a, a disappointing list of cup final losses over the last decade Ooh. or so. Oh. Yeah. Imagine, um, being in, imagine being a part of that team. Um, yeah, look, he's good for the Red Bull franchise. I'd like to see what he does elsewhere. It is outside of Haaland, it seems notoriously hard for players to come out of the Red Bull system and succeed elsewhere, but we'll see. Yeah, he looks a gun, though. I'm really excited about Nkunku, Nkunku, another one I really enjoy watching play when I do tune in. Um, But yeah, that's that. That's that's another season of European football. Dan, are we doing an episode next week? I suppose we will. Champions League final still to come. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we should we should all get together and watch it somehow. When's it on? <laughs> that's that's it. And and, and how how can you watch Sun, it? Is it stand? Sunday morning, half stand. past three in the morning? Okay, brilliant. Um, okay. Everyone at Cooper's house. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, might be a recorded. Well, you don't record these days, do you? But streaming service. Get up in the morning, watch a replay. Maybe. All right. Um, He's got a makeshift fringe ten out of the back. We could probably set up a projector in there. 
I'll actually I'm I'm taking my fringe show on the road. I'll be actually in Melbourne over the over the long weekends. The, oh, it's long weekend, the shows the shows yeah. going on tour. Oh, fantastic. Mm, love to hear it. Love to hear it. Uh do you have enough condoms? weird deviant shit. Ah, uh, footy stuff. Booty but a bit stuff. of both. But a bit of both. No, I said <clears> foot <throat> stuff, not footy. Oh, did you? Oh, well, all three. Yeah. Footy it's... stuff, wood stuff. It's up to you, man. It's weird, your show. Deviant shit. What's Who the knows? difference? It's your show. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Love that. All right, guys. Uh Keep an eye out. We've got this pod coming out. What have we got? We're going to do a Adelaide United one soon. We've got to talk about that grand final. We've got to cover the man, Craig Goodwin, won the uh, – just get him a statue. He won the Johnny Warren. We're going to talk it. about he that. We'll get to that. We've got some stuff coming up in the off-season that we'll get to as well. So the pods will keep coming, all right? So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. See you, folks. Thanks for listening. Oh, you hear from us soon, guys. See you later.